you know, uh, having a chronic illness for couple decades and literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, if you name it, I, I've probably tried it. There's maybe a few things that I haven't tried. And then I meet these doctors and they both say the same thing. You know, you should do a BOGA. And then Dr. Yashpal outlines this 14 day ultimate plant medicine journey. Only uh, five people have completed it in 30 years. And I'm freaking terrified. So Boga is from Africa. It's considered the strongest psychedelic in the world. And when you go on that journey, it's 30 hours of visions and hallucinations. Uh, you lose, you know, most motor function of your legs. You're, you don't sleep for three to five days. And it's a very strong stimulant. Uh, it is known as the tree of knowledge or the stern voice of truth. It's a grandfather medicine. It's a master plant medicine. And it is very, very powerful. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. We got Paul Johnson, PJ, joining us for part two of his incredible story. If you guys haven't listened to part one, go back to the last episode, listen to that, and then come on to this. You guys, this is uh, this is a crazy story. You're not going to hear one like this very much. I want you guys to also, if you guys get value from this, share it with somebody that needs to hear this. This is a powerful, powerful story of healing through psychedelics, Lyme disease. Like this shit's crazy. So if you feel somebody needs to hear this, share it. If you guys do get value from this, please leave us a review. Whatever you can do to support the show, anything helps. Also, make sure you're subscribed. If you want to watch us on YouTube, they're also available. Sit back, relax, grab a coffee. If you're at the gym, get your hustle on. PJ, Paul Johnson, part two coming right up. Enjoy. We are about to dive into Paul's amazing 14-day story. You guys are going to be blown away by this. This is freaking incredible. This is probably one of the craziest stories I've ever heard on the show. And I'm so excited for you to dive into this, Paul. So walk us through, give us a little bit of insight into this, man, because this was, uh, this was wild. Well, you know, going through this uh, health crisis for 20 years, I mean, I'm trying all kinds of stuff. And then... I meet these doctors and they both say the same thing. You know, you should do a BOGA. And then Dr. Yashpal outlines this 14 day ultimate plant medicine journey. Only uh, five people have completed it in 30 years. And I'm freaking terrified. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I was like all ready to go. In fact, our buddy Brian, I, he sent me a recording of a call that we did that morning with a group and I'm, I'm crying. I'm just like, it was a big undertaking. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy to even think about. Like, <laughs> but you were going like, so you were at the point where you were at the point where it's like you, there was no other option, right? You were in so much pain. You're like, just, we got to find we got to find something here. Something's got to give, you know, and like what you're saying in your story about all the pain you're going through and um, to be able to have this opportunity, how you must have had like a lot of mixed feelings too, but were you also excited going into this? Yeah, I was hopeful, you know, and I hadn't been hopeful in a while. So really where I was at is I had come to a place where I had a functional way of living where I took tramadol, I took Kratom for pain and nerve pain. Um, I took peptide injections and testosterone and growth hormone. And I had 60 capsules that I was ingesting every day. And I had a existence that worked, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't fully healthy. And so I knew I could kind of continue to limp along with that. And I just wanted more, you know, I wanted my full health back. I wanted to be able to make a difference in the world. 
and show up for my family, like fully, just fully there, fully present, vibrant, energized, able to like bring it every day. And I was willing to take that chance to see what, what would happen with this whole process. And, you know, uh, the way it unfolded, I just felt like there was a, the universe was conspiring in my favor, just mm -hmm. the way I met these guys, the way dates had to arrange, the way money had to show up, you know, I was supposed to go do ayahuasca with you and Aubrey and all the crew. And, uh, Sultara was super awesome about helping me switch step into my spot so that I could watch the kids here and she could watch the kids here. And it, everything just literally fell into place, like in a matter of two days, very complicated situation became very simple. And then there I was sitting at the wizard's nest and, uh, ready to go down, <laughs> ready to get strapped onto the Aboga rocket and blasted off. <laughs> oh, all right. So you're about to walk in to 14 days of the unknown, the unknown. You don't, you've tell us what was the environment like? Tell us what you were thinking and then walk us through. What does that 14 days look like? What are, what, what each specific psychedelic or plant medicine did you end up working with? Okay. So the environment was, you know, Josh Paul's home. He's got a circular home up in Tina Maste here in Costa Rica. And he's got some different people on his team that are very experienced working with medicine. A bug is not something that you trifle with. It's not something you want to try on your own or get it off the dark net. It's, it's, it has killed people. And uh, Josh Paul's had um, one person die in his uh, care and, there's a lot of reasons for that, but ultimately what we ended up doing was, and I had to write this down mm. <laughs> just to make sure. So day one was a boga. Day three was five MEO Bufo. Day four, I had to do a booster of a boga, about 800 milligrams and uh, a microdose of five MEO because I had, had gone into really heavy withdrawals and I had severe migraines and I was sick and shaking in a ball for about 24 hours. Day six, did combo. Day seven, another 5-MEO Bufo round. Day eight, combo. Day 10, San Pedro. Day 13, ayahuasca. Day 14, ayahuasca. So that was the lineup. And it was plenty, <laughs> it was mm -hmm. plenty, you know, and, you know, uh, having a chronic illness for a couple decades and literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was in Mexico for six months, uh, hooked up to IVs all day, getting lasers, IV, getting shots, PRP, stem cell, ozone. I mean, if you name it, I, I've probably tried it. There's maybe a few things that I haven't tried. So, you know, they felt confident the aboga would get the job done, but they said, look, if you really want to get this thing, like if you want to give yourself the absolute best opportunity for healing and full, complete recovery and wholeness, then these combinations and this sequence will put you in the best possible position to come out fully healed, fully whole and that's exactly what happened. So can you give a little bit of context about a little bit more about Lyme disease and why this is such a stubborn disease and, you know, why you, why this is necessary? Because maybe sometimes people are just hearing about Lyme disease for the first time. And, you know, why would such drastic measures have to be taken? Like walk us through a little bit about Lyme. Yeah. Lyme disease is a bacteria. It's uh, unique in the fact that it's a spirouette shape. So like a little corkscrew and they multiply like crazy. One of the challenges with Lyme is that the CDC under the direction of insurance companies has narrowed the definition to where it's just a bite and there's a bullseye target. And then you take antibiotics for four weeks and then it goes away. 
So chronic Lyme is not actually fully recognized by the CDC or medical establishment, although it's changing recently because there's so many people, they estimate like 500,000 people in the United States have chronic Lyme disease. And anybody that you met that, know, that has a family member or has lived with Lyme, like they know right away. Like whenever I meet someone that is connected to somebody with Lyme, they're just like, oh my gosh, my friend, my sister, my brother, the scientist that I was with at Cloudbridge Reserve last week, her sister had it. And she's like, I knew nothing about it. All I know is that it literally destroyed her life for like two years. And um, it can get in your nervous system. It mimics different autoimmune diseases. So you might think you have you know, lupus. You might think you might have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it, attacks, it can attack your joint and soft tissue like it did with me. I've had you know, three shoulder surgeries, hip surgery, back procedure, and um, it can really decimate you. And if it gets in your nervous system and it starts affecting your brain, it's one of the few bacteria that can get in your brain, uh, it will literally try to get you to kill yourself. Um, every person I've ever met with Lyme has been suicidal or suffers from crippling anxiety. And that's just an, one aspect of all the physical symptoms and pain that you deal with. It's a brutal disease. It's fucking wild, man. Yeah. Fuck. So, okay, let's, let's walk us through this, this, this craziness, man. So you started out with Iboga. Tell us a bit about Iboga and that experience for those, those three days. Yeah. So Iboga is from Africa. It's considered the strongest psychedelic in the world. And when you go on that journey, it's 30 hours of visions and hallucinations. Uh, you lose, you know, most motor function of your legs. You're, you don't sleep for three to five days. And it's a very strong stimulant. Uh, it is known as the tree of knowledge or the stern voice of truth. It's a grandfather medicine. It's a master plant medicine. And it is very, very powerful. So... Uh, a lot of people haven't heard of it. It's it's extremely effective in treatment of addiction. And I think we'll see in the next years a lot more therapy and a lot more relief for opiate addiction, alcoholism, in the use of aboga as a plant medicine. Mm. So yeah. so it re so why would that be effective for Lyme? Because it's a lot of it is that you're, it's got to kind of go into your brain and sort of like, cause it's a story your body gets addicted to as well. Right. Your subconscious, yeah. like it's got to be some sort of thing that needs to be forced out of you to look at. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's the patterning, all the neuro uh, pathways. I mean, aboga just flushes and resets all of those things. And then it gives you an opportunity to choose new beliefs and choose a new wiring system. So I've done, I've done a lot of treatment to where I feel like I had probably flushed and killed a good percentage of the Lyme in my body, but there was still these patterns and cycles and probably still remaining uh, Lyme bacteria that needed to be killed. And so Boga just being such a powerful stimulant and flushing and cleaning everything out. I mean, it just gives you an opportunity to not only, attack it in that way, but also to reset your brain, all the neural pathways and to form a new relationship between your brain and your body. Mm. Yeah. It's powerful, man. Such, such powerful stuff, you know, cause like I've only done, I mean, ayahuasca was, was powerful enough. And I just think about some of the stuff that you've said about this and just, I always put myself in that position of like, like, what would that be like, you know? And I would love if you could kind of go into some of your deep, the, 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 the realizations that you had and like some of the loops you're going through. Cause I found that super interesting when you were telling me before, man. Yeah. So a boga for me, it was like, I was in the cockpit of a rocket ship and I'm flying around the galaxy and you have some, coherence about where you're kind of steering the ship. But at the same time, I'm blindfolded, I'm laying flat on the ground. And 
one of the craziest things was being able to see through the blindfold. So I could literally, and it, it happened a couple of times to where like I, I got up to go to the bathroom and somebody comes over to help you and they're like, you should take your blindfold off. But I could see them walk over and I could stand up and put my hand on the ground through wow. the blindfold. And there was a point where Yashpal came over and he says, you're in your third eye right now. And I'm like, really? And he's like, do you want to see? And I said, yeah. And I saw him walk across the room and I saw him put his hand on my forehead and I could see his fingers and part of his hand tapping on my forehead. <laughs> so you, you are definitely on a different dimension, on a different wavelength when you're working with the boga. Um, so there's a, I mean, there's a ton of stories in it because it's a stimulant. So you're having visions very fast, like pop, pop, pop. They're moving very quickly. One of the main themes in mine was what they call the fork in the road. So I would fly to a place in the galaxy and then almost like a carnival game would pop up like gold and shiny. And it was acted out by people that I knew a lot of times family members. Oftentimes it would be, you know, my parents and siblings, or it would be my kids and my wife. And so you go through, I would go through a series of stories. There would be three stories, one, two, three. And at the end of each story, there would be a choice, higher self, lower self. And for the first round and the second round, I would choose the lower self, even though after the first round, I knew the story. I knew the fork in the road was coming. I wanted to make another choice. It was like I was watching myself go through a movie. The third round, I would choose the higher self and it would literally be like the cheesiest thing, like ding, ding, ding. Do you want to download this new belief system? And I could see the belief. I would say, I would press a button. Yes. And I would see it download into my brain, into my body. And this happened, I swear, it felt like a million times I had opportunities to go through stories. And um, one of the stories I think I was telling you guys the other night was, you know, my kids would come up a lot in it. I have three kids and my youngest son, uh, I would see him and this happened hundreds of times. And it was, I would see him and he would like have his head down and kind of like, scooting away from me and I would try to approach him like, Hey buddy, like what's going on? Are you okay? I love you. Like I want to, I wanted to connect with him and he would just scoot away and then kind of like disappear in the vision. And it just kept coming up and coming up. And finally, after it felt like hundreds of times, I was just in tears and I said, man, Griffin, I love you so much. And I just, I want to love you well. I don't even know what to say. I'm trying everything that I can. I, I'm just at a complete loss. I'm sorry. And at the point of just totally surrendering and breaking down, he turned to me and he said, now you're ready to learn. Let me teach you how to love me. And so he just started sharing with me like, hey, he's like a very... You know, he's our youngest. He's a very responsible kid. He's like, takes care of his business. He doesn't ask for a lot. He's not super high maintenance. But sometimes when he, when he comes in and he's asking for something, you know, I'm busy working. I'm, I'm in the flow. I'm chasing it. You know, the other kids around or whatever. And um, he's just like, you know, when I ask for your attention, it's because I really need it. And I want you to be present and to show up in those moments. And I've had opportunities since the visions where that's come up, you know, where I was sitting at the counter working on something business related and it was, it felt urgent. And he sat down and he said, Hey, I want to tell you something. And I was just like, Hey buddy, hang on a minute. Like, and then it just kind of clicked like, Oh, this is exactly what he was talking to me about. So I flipped my phone over and I looked at him we talked for like 10 or 15 minutes and then he was like, thanks dad. And he just got up and went about his business and I went back and, you know, those are some of the beautiful opportunities in plant medicine. Like our friend, Dr. Bear Walker says, it's not going to the top of the mountain. Anybody can go to the top of the mountain. What do you bring back? What's in your medicine pouch? What do you bring into your life? What do you integrate? And so that was one of the big ones for me from a was, each of my kids had lessons for me 
on how to be a better dad, how to live more in alignment with my true self. And coming from them, it just was straight to the heart. You know, I was in tears multiple times just going through those stories. And it, um, it was really, really powerful. Yeah. Oh, bro, that's such a beautiful story. And, you know, just to witness you as a dad, you're just such an awesome dad and you're so present with them. And it's, it's beautiful to watch, bro, honestly. And, you know, to hear that story and then to see it in real life, like the way you show up with your kids and you're just there, it's like, it's amazing. So like, dude, like seriously, it's, it's so nice to watch and, and it's hard, right? Like it's, it's, it's challenging sometimes because kids have, they're running around and doing stuff and to be able to be present with them and not get pissed off and to have time for them and to know like what's important. Not everybody can do that. Like that's not an easy, that's not easy. <laughs> that's fucking hard. <laughs> like it's a never ending ceremony. You're, you're always challenged to be the best version of yourself. I work on it every day. I meditate on it. I really, when I sit in my meditation, I go through like uh, the alignment of how I want to show up. And so I can, I can feel it very much because I get triggered just like anybody else. I'm impatient at times and I get frustrated and it's like, okay, is this how you want to be showing up right now? And is it really worth it? Like so many times it's just, I'm triggered about something and it's not really, it's not really about them. You know, it's like my stuff that I'm bringing into it where I feel like, I'm trying to prove something or I'm trying to get something across. And it's like, oh, you're just trying to be in control right now. Like you're just trying to look a certain way or you're concerned about what other, what other people think more than what your kids think. And so it's a constant challenge, but it's made me so much better as a person. I'm so grateful for it. And each one of them has different lessons that they bring me every day. And they've been really present in all, all the medicine journeys that I've done. And they've been, the wisest teachers across the board. It's been incredible. Like even that alone, that realization, aside from the healing stuff with Lyme disease and that, like that alone is like a great enough lesson to take into someone's life. Like to see your kids, to be able to have that and to connect with them and to be able to take that and put, apply that in your life. Like what a lesson. Yeah. Like what a beautiful lesson. Just, a, just that alone. Yeah. Like, and, and most people will never have that. And that's why I think, you know, medicine space is so important in certain ways because sometimes what you're going for isn't always what you get what you what you need, not what you want. And that's what's beautiful about it. It's like you'll see these things and and then you'll be like, oh shit, I needed to see that. I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, it's like when we have some, something blocking us or you have a chronic disease, like you don't know what mental patterns or beliefs have formed that and are causing that disease and disruption in your body. And so the medicine really reveals that. And I think Creator gave us these plants as a way of helping us get out of our egoic self. And for me, that was a big part of it, it was like my faith and belief that was so small because I just been in so much pain and suffering and I'd seen hundreds of doctors I'd spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and the medicine helped bring me back into a congruency where I said, I believe I can heal. I believe this is my opportunity to just fully let go, fully surrender and just go straight into it and allow it to happen. And that was like the, the back end of the aboga um, visions towards the back end of it there's points where you're interacting and you're asking questions. And I asked the question, is my Lyme disease healed? And the nights, you know, in my vision, I'm looking at a starry sky and all of a sudden it starts lighting up with all these neon green. Yes, 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 yes. Like, and it was making that sound. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like all the way down. And I was like, whoa. And then I saw my spirit body drop down in front of me. And the spirit of God surrounding me like a swirl and just pulling out 
all the bacteria that was remaining, it was coming out. And then a hand was on my, placed on my head and on my chest. And it was like a nuclear explosion. Just a white light just shot through all of my body. And instantly my body felt different. Instantly I could just feel everything relax. It's one of the things with Lyme is like your tendons and your joints are tender, they're tight. And I felt different. And when Dr. Yashpal and, and examined me the next day, he was testing all those points and he was like, dude, your tendons are, they're totally different. Like everything, they're all different. And since that day, January 5th, 2021, I haven't had to take a single medication. I haven't had to take a single injection. My health has been incredible. I'm up at 4.30 every day. My energy is great. My body feels great. My mind feels great. And every day I actually feel a little bit better, a little bit stronger. And so there is still recovery from the disease because it's damaged some of the soft tissue and some of the nervous system. But I feel like there's a, there's a continual healing going on throughout my body that every day I get to step into a whole new mind, a whole new body. And that's the life that I get to live now. That's powerful. So, okay. What were some other really memorable moments from that week or that the, the 14 days, because you did a lot. And I mean, it's, I, it's hard to walk through your entire journey. I know to process it. Cause it's, that's a lot. I'm so still processing. Yeah, <laughs> dude, like it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, even it's like, even four days for me with ayahuasca, it's like, fuck, you know, like I go, I can think there's certain aspects that I can do it. But like, when you really think about the whole thing, it's, it's wild. If there's some things maybe like out of, you know, Bufo and Cambo and, and, um, you know, ayahuasca, is there some things that really stand out after that powerful night of Iboga that you'd love to share and just give some insight to with your journey? Yeah, I think um, another big highlight was the, you know, 5-MEO Bufo ceremony. And, you know, for anyone who's done that, you go through a process through the tunnel, there's a white light, you merge in. And when I came back, I sat up and I was just, I was crying and I had the biggest smile on my face. And I said, to be of service is the greatest honor. And whatever price I have to pay or have had to pay is a worthy price because to be of service is the greatest honor. And that's been a really, that one stuck with me because, you know, when you're encouraging me to share the story with people, I felt like, uh, it's a crazy story. Like what are people going to think? Or, you know, what are people that I know going to think? And you said, man, if you share it and you help one person, like that would be amazing. And I thought to be of service is the greatest honor. Okay. Can this story. And when I was sitting in meditation this morning, I just said, allow this story to be of service to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, and it's helped me be, be like more grounded and have a good orientation point as I feel like I get, you know, when you go through medicine journey and you get reabsorbed into ego and your patterns and things, it's just normal. It's part of it, but there's new choices and opportunities. That's the beauty of it is you got to see, you got to peek at true self through the other side, whatever the experience was. And now there's this awesome opportunity to say, okay, I'm starting to make this choice that I've always made, but maybe there's a different choice I can make. And there's like a conscious moment, like we talked about with Stephen Covey, between stimulus and response, there's freedom. Mm -hmm. There's that little gap of consciousness where you can start to make new choices and form new patterns and form new behaviors. And that one for me has been a really great one. When I start to feel like I'm trying to look a certain way or be, it's like, okay, let's not worry about that for the moment. Let's think about being of service. And that one's been a really awesome one. And I would say also 5-MEO Bufo, for anyone that suffers with anxiety, it has incredible power to reduce anxiety. I haven't met a single person that didn't have massive reduction in anxiety. And I don't know if a BOGA would have done that for me completely, but on its own, um, Yashpal always likes to combo a boga with that. 
for the purpose of re-expanding your consciousness. And I think that the anxi- addressing anxiety is a big piece of that puzzle. But man, I would just highly recommend looking into it, uh, especially with somebody, you know, obviously someone who's very good, very trained, a master in that medicine and doing it honorably and respectfully is so important. Um, five MEO Bufo, absolutely incredible. Um, all the medicines were very beneficial. I'd say capping the week off with ayahuasca. That was interesting. I mean, at that point, I was, um, you know, I was pretty deconstructed. And I think in a lot of ways that was helpful because I didn't have a lot of anxiety going into it. I was just like, this is just what I'm doing on Friday night, you know? I'm sitting here, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I'm just gonna go through this process. I'm gonna trust, surrender, and allow, and allow the medicine to work and just show up for it. And um, it, I mean, it, it still thrashed me pretty hard. I mean, I was, uh, as Aubrey calls, the double platinum purge, you know, coming out both ends. I mean, it was, I purged really hard and uh, we were sleeping outside in the jungle. It was cold. I had a hundred bug bites. You know, uh, the experience was really beautiful in a lot of ways because I got to be outdoors during it, which a lot of people don't. Uh, but I did have some very powerful visions that came through the whole process. And uh, I would say the biggest, the biggest one that, that really has stuck with me was self-love. The second night, I, it started off, and I had this this beautiful vision of my of my daughter with like this Wonder Woman headdress and this rainbow hair flowing out over the world, which is interesting because she went to the rainbow gathering yesterday, and she was just like, "Dad, I'm a rainbow kid. I'm gonna save the planet." She's going through this stuff, and then, and then I remember that vision. And I'm like, "Whoa, Whoa that's crazy." Okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So uh, that was incredible. And, but after, after I went into this like beautiful awestruck, I was just like, oh, I could just sit here forever in awe and just so much beauty, so much love. I went into a, like a, felt like a psychosis. I felt like I lost my mind and I was purging extremely hard. I somehow ended up on my stomach, punching and kicking the ground because I was so uncomfortable in my skin. And one of the things in life or in a medicine journey is when there's resistance, then it just creates more tension, more friction, and it just gets worse. And I I was in a really, I wasn't in a great position. And I started kind of like looking around for people to help me. And I was getting angry that nobody was trying to help me. And I was like, I was talking to myself like, like, I can't even remember what I was saying. The guy, the two guys with me said that I kept deconstructing the universe and all the problems and putting it back together. And they said it was beautiful. And for me, it was a living hell. And this went on for hours to the point where I lost my voice because I was talking so long and so fast. I lost my voice at the end of it. And there was a point in the process where I just said, okay, you're on this train and you don't know when it's going to stop, but you got on it. You just need to surrender, trust and allow and go through the process. And then there was like this realization of like, man, you've completely lost it. You went too far. You are crazy. You're going to be in an insane asylum for the rest of your life. You're never going to see your family again. And I got scared. You know, because in that moment, I really believed it. And the question came up of, can you love yourself even though you're crazy? And I was like, I love you. And then I would go back into like this. Can you love yourself even though you're crazy right now? It's okay, man. You're going to be okay. But can you love yourself even though you're crazy? Can you love yourself in your insanity? And there was finally a point where it, cause that, that was a big fear. Cause I've had some mental health challenges and I would 
this time last year, I was suicidal for three or four months. And, uh, it was something, it was like facing that deepest, darkest fear. And when I finally was able to embrace myself and embrace the darkness and embrace the shadow and say, I love you, you crazy. <laughs> I love you, you crazy man. It's going to be okay. And I love you right now as you are right now. That was something that I carried out of ayahuasca that I've still been able to really tap into. And self-love has been something that's been a real uh, challenge for me throughout my life. And I've worked on it. I've meditated on it. But there's nothing like losing your mind and going crazy and still finding a way to love yourself to really bring some healing and some wholeness into that place. And I'm so, so grateful for it. When I popped out the other side, I felt amazing. I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. So. Yeah. What came to me was, you know, I would love to know that feeling of when you knew you got through it because there was what, there's only been five people that have done what you've done out of. Yeah. So what was that feeling like when you finish and you're like, they're like, you're done, you did it. Like what, walk us through that feeling. I still can tap into that feeling sometimes because there was points through the journey where I'm purging, I'm curled up in a ball, sweating, shaking, sick. And I was just like, you just need to show up right now, right here in this moment. And so this like deep well of like belief and knowing was just, was just forming up. And when I got to it, because at the end of the ayahuasca, I was up all night. I was up all night. And then I had to like take a cab, get on a ferry, go meet stuff, drive. And I was just like, I was literally so rocked. I was just like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, man. I felt like I was going to pass out. I'm like, dude, this isn't even the hardest thing you've done in like the last 24 hours. So that deep sense of knowing and belief you know, in the five Amyo Bupo, there was a point where they're playing this song about warriors and I'm like pounding my chest, screaming, oh, war. you know, there's this like real primal belief that I think as kids, we have it and it gets chipped away and we're told to doubt ourselves and there's things that happen and we, we don't look at, we look at mistakes and, and failures in the wrong perspective instead of like, these are just lessons that are making us better. And so knowing I'm in the right place and I have this deep sense knowing and this belief is just like exploding up through me, then it really just made me feel like, okay, what's next? So that's really what I'm working on channeling and tapping into now is revamping my vision and purpose because I'm living this life now. And, you know, being here in Costa Rica with us and seeing the life and the lifestyle it's beautiful and it's amazing. And my kids are in a great school and my relationship is incredible. And my health is incredible. And so the question becomes like, I've been praying and asking for a, a fresh vision, like a fresh fire because I love coaching and teaching and helping people. And I think that's a big piece of it, but I really want to hone in on, okay, now that I'm coming from this belief of this belief and this place where, I've overcome so much stuff and I see how the universe conspires with this. And I'm so grateful to the creator for coming in and showing me these possibilities. It's like, okay, what are we, what are we going to do next? Cause now I got all this bandwidth and I got all this energy that I want to take that and share it in a way and help people in a way that's really meaningful. And I think that in just sharing the story with a few people, and seeing the response and reaction, I mean, that's part of it is, is sharing it. And, um, but man, having that belief and knowing that you just get to carry around with you where you're like, wow, dude, I did something that was just insane and crazy and beautiful. And only a few people have ever got to do it. Well, I mean, that takes warrior energy, man. King energy, warrior energy, like to get through that, it's fucking crazy, man. Like 
I remember the first time I heard that, I just was like, what? No way. Like, how's that possible? Because look, man, I went through four days of ayahuasca and that was hard enough. Yeah. You know, and you talk about 5-MeO-DMT Bufo. And for all of you guys that don't know, if you want to have like more insight into this, go check it on YouTube. Mike Tyson talks about his awakening with Bufo 5-MeO. It's Bufo Alvarius Venom Toad from the Sonoran Desert. It's fucking powerful stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, looking back now, it was such an important journey for me too. And I think having that before something like Aya is, is so key because it like this unnecessary anxiety, this unnecessary shit that we're in our head too much. It just dissolves the fear, the anxiety. You can just go into it. Like you just tap into the medicine without the other stuff getting in the way. And, you know, I really think that that is an important, important point because if you do suffer from anxiety or like deep fears, you know, if you feel called to, it could be something that could really help um, because it limits us. These fears and the anxieties are just stories that we tell ourselves over and over again, and they're not even true. And then when you come out of that, you realize you're like, this, this is, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're like, after going through that, that surrender yeah. of like, holy fuck, like you have no control. Your ego is dead. You're less, you have to surrender. And then when you come back into reality, you're like, oh man, what was I worried about? But slowly it kind of comes back, it creeps back in. And I think it's a real, it's it's a real good medicine to kind of revisit that and to really yeah. understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. This this journey is is so interesting. And I loved how you talked about we talked about this a few times, you know, about going to the top of the mountain. You know, what do you bring back down with you? So let's get into this more about specifically now obviously you've come back you're you're you i've seen you you get you have this morning routine you don't just say it, you do it consistently which is great because anybody that you know a lot of people that say things they don't actually do them <laughs> it's just the reality you do it you're present with your kids you 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 walk you walk the walk you don't talk to talk and i'm i'm saying that because it's true so like what are the things in your life now are you working on like what are you passionate about and how has all of this come in and like, kind of like, what are you channeling? What do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to create here in the next little while? Walk us through that a bit. The big thing I'm focused on right now is co developing coaching. I have some clients that I coach and I work with, and I feel like there's like, I come from the finance world and in that world, it's all measured by money and I mean, that's just one measurement of success. And then as we've been exposed to different teachings and ideas about how to live and walk a spiritual path and how to be more integrated, I just keep coming back to the fact that there's these very tactical, strategic things that I've learned over the last 23 years that are super useful and practical in how to make money and how to run a successful business. But then there's also this practice of, integrating and holistic care for oneself because you know in the decade that you know we in my 20s it was just like wolf of wall street days and we worked all day partied all night worked in not taking care of our bodies and minds i mean that was something that caused a lot of long-term challenges for me that i've had to work through and i've had to learn from and a lot of people haven't been able to have certain levels of success or money and seeing what it's really like because they think, oh, if I get there, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And so I know by experience, like, you know, it is important, I think, especially for people that are on the spiritual path to be able to take their creative ideas and turn them into strategic manifestation. And that's really like what I focus on. How do you take creative ideas that inspire you and turn that into strategic manifestation where day in and day out, week in and week out, you're executing that plan and that becomes your sole purpose and business. And that takes care of you, takes care of your family, your future. And I think there's just a huge need for that integrative style of coaching that brings both elements together. Yeah. So for all you guys listening, like there's, let's just reiterate that. So you basically, 
you take, there's a lot of people in the spiritual world who are doing this that have a lot of ideas, right? And it's all great, but they don't know how to apply them into real life. And what you can do is like really encourage them to dream big, you know, all the things, but then you can actually, you teach them how to like hone in on that and what that looks like actual like day to day, 90 days, whatever it is to like actually practically manifest it. Because the thought and the, and, and the vision is one thing, but the actual practical stuff day to day is what creates it. And is that what you've seen has been like a big struggle with people? It's like the actual foundation of like, well, how do I actually take this idea and put it onto paper? Yeah. Like, like what, like a lot of people, these ideas are great, but what are you doing at 8.30 on Monday morning? It's really bringing it down from that real ethereal realm. So what I'm finding is people coming from the spiritual path have tons of vision and ideas. And I think a lot of that is medicines, practices that really tap into that. But then when it comes to the real nuts and bolts, practical aspect of it, accountability, creating a plan, what are you doing each day? What are you focused on? Where are you going to be in 90 days, 12 months, five years? That's the part of it where I'm seeing a big gap. Mm. And working with people from the finance space, it's almost the inverse where they know they, they're dialed on a lot of the nuts and bolts stuff. But then when you talk to them about vision, once you get past like how much money they want to make, there's really a lack of vision there. So I'm finding I have to spend a lot more time working on vision with people coming from that space. And, you know, one isn't right or wrong. It doesn't matter to me. It's more of like, how do we do it to where people have an integrated holistic life that where they can put all the pieces together and, that's an ongoing journey. You know, even for me, like I said, I've had to go back to the vision board. I've had to go back into the vision space because everything I was focused on and working came to fruition. And to sit in that space, you know, like I was talk, talking to our friend Eric Gazi about it. If you sit, if once you accomplish vision, if you sit in that space too long, you fall into depression because without purpose and vision in your daily life, it's hard to stay motivated. It's hard to get up at 4.30 or whatever time you get up and go through the practices. So tapping into vision each day, that's the engine and the motor that will keep you moving forward. But yeah, taking and making things really tactical, that's really a big part of it. And then overlaying that tactical plan with accountability. I mean, accountability is something that a lot of us uh, will shy away from, but if you can bring grace and truth together and really have accountability with people about the actions that they're committed to taking, that's where you see the most astronomical results. Mm-hmm. Every coaching program I've ever been in, the ones that are the most mega successful, that cost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, those programs all have strong accountability component within them. And the ones that kind of just stay in the fun and happy land, you know, people enjoy it. It's entertaining, but Oftentimes, they're not accomplishing the stuff that they want to accomplish unless they have created accountability outside of that ecosystem. Yeah. I, you know what I like about you too, bro, is that you've created success you know, a couple of different times and like you know your shit. You know, it's not like you're just preaching stuff you've never done. And that's, that's the thing is that's why I was really excited to have you on here to talk about this because you do have this background, the story of creating wealth and then, you know, your health and what you've gone through, but you've also developed the spiritual practice. So now you're applying all of that, which is really, really incredible. And I've been able to see you, you know, work together on our, both of our visions and be able to like, really, cause that's the awesome thing too, is like over the years we grow, we become these we, we, we learn and then, you know, we, you don't always have to be the same person all the time, the same story. You can create these new stories and it's really exciting to see, man. So like, I think, you know, whoever you work with, it, it's, it's going to be awesome because you have that real life experience yeah. and, you know, and then on top of it, the healing journey, like it's fucking crazy. Right. And I think that makes it way more relatable too, because people like, well, I want to work with somebody that's been through some shit. Right. Like, like somebody that's real and willing to share it too. I mean, 
you know, it's just the reality of it. So um, another thing I wanted to ask you, I like to pull out some like tips and like some educational resources or something that somebody right now could maybe walk away with. Like, what are three things, somebody that's going through some shit or somebody that's got an idea or whatever it may be that they can go and apply right now and, and make some progress in their life? Yeah. If somebody is like really in a tough place, like physical, mental health, the very first thing that helped me start climbing out of that hole. And I, I mean, I got smashed down to that place many times over 20 years. But last March when I was in the worst place possible and I was literally scared for my life, I wrote down two goals to stay, to not kill myself, to stay alive. And I had a checklist of reasons to stay alive and to take a walk for 15 minutes and listen to some positive things. So like I have a crazy morning routine right now that's really intense and long. And I don't want to scare people away with that because I didn't start with that. I mean, I started with literally stay alive and take a 15 minute walk mm. and listen to something. And so that really, it, to get moving is so important to get moving and breathing. And I also started doing Wim Hof. I would, I'd been doing Wim Hof for a couple of years and then I had fallen away from doing it. And so revamping the breath work with that it's like if you can do that and then in that place start to create a vision of a new future that you can i still every morning i read several paragraphs of a vision that i create on an ongoing basis it's one of the first things that i do in the morning so i think people with physical and mental health challenges just start really simple do something good for yourself because you're really expressing love to yourself when you do that too. And self-love is a really big component of when you're in that deep, dark place. You've got to love yourself enough to take the steps and to have awareness of what you need to do next to get better, to get healthy, to get back on track. Mm -hmm. I think with uh, people that are in business, you know, what I find a lot of times is that people are not clear on where they want to be in five years where they want to be in 12 months. And I don't think you have to be crazy about it and like make this big complicated thing out of it, but write something that's inspiring that feels like that you have a visceral reaction to that you feel emotionally in your body. You write it out and you're like, yeah, this would be awesome. This would be fantastic. I could be excited about that. So start a, a little five-year vision, right where you're going to be in 12 months and then try to shrink it down to a 90-day plan where you take your calendar and your schedule and you identify what are the top three most important things that I need to be doing to drive my business forward. I'll give you a tip. Most of the time, it's stuff that generates revenue for your company. If you have an assistant, then you need to be focused on what are the things that I can do that no one else can do that breathe life and oxygen and blood into this company to make it bigger, better, stronger. And then you build that into your schedule. So, you know, whatever the most important thing of your week is every Monday, you tackle that. If it's talking to investors, if it's pitching new investors, if it's talking to your core clients, then every Monday you reach out to five of them or 10 of them or how many ever there is. And you make that a sequential part of your plan using time blocking and segmenting those things into rhythms, you know, batching those activities and putting those into rhythms. That's the kind of stuff that if you do it for 90 days and you say, look, I'm going to look at my vision. I'm going to figure out my top three things in the next 90 days. I'm going to go hard on that stuff. I promise you, when you look back in 90 days, you're going to be in an incredible position. You're either going to find out one, you're in the wrong business and you, and you need to make some changes or what happens 90% of the time is people usually double or triple their business, especially if you can add some leverage around you. If you can add a team member, you know, if you're something like we were looking at your disc profile yesterday, if you take your disc profile and then you see a gap there and you say, okay, Lance, let's get somebody who's just a high C who's got this stuff on lockdown. You never have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it and you can just go. Then that's really what's going to give you massive liftoff. 
you can double and triple your business in three to six months with just a little bit of leverage and proper time blocking and focus on the top three most important things that you need to do. That's gold, bro. That's gold. It's yeah. It's so important. I like what you said about not getting too complicated at first because that scares people away. It's like the simple things, you know, just do a couple simple things, just do them consecutively. Yeah. Right. Uh, is there, is there a book recently that's changed the game for you that you want to recommend people that would be helpful? Uh, two books I read recently, man's search for meaning, Victor Frankl. Mm-hmm. I've never read it. It's a classic. And I felt like it would be good as I'm trying to work on my vision and purpose and other people's that to really look at some of the classic uh, writing about that really powerful book. And it's really about transforming whatever circumstances you're in, whether it's suffering or whatnot into meaning and purpose. And uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's a really good book. I, I read a lot of books. I'm constantly reading two or three different books all the time. And that's one that's really stood out to me in the last year where I was like, wow, that is a phenomenal book. The other book I would really highly recommend is Traction. Mm. And uh, the author's name is slipping my mind right now. But Traction is a phenomenal book. It's from the EOS company. And those guys have written one of the best business books ever. Like literally, if you read that one book and you take the systems and processes and apply them to your business, you're not going to need much else. It's really, it's that good. It's a phenomenal book. And I've used it and I have several friends, buddies that were in coaching, friends that run massive businesses that, took them 4X, 10X, just using that system. I know a dozen people that have used it with just unbelievable success. It's been really rad. And it's all about systems and structure. And all the you know, f- some of that stuff isn't sexy. You know, all the fun not, stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not sexy. That's why it's like, if you really don't want to do that, hire a coach. You know, hire somebody that's going to make you do the stuff that you know you need to do, but you don't necessarily want to do. And that's how there isn't a single top performer that I know that doesn't have one or multiple coaches. I'm usually working with two or three coaches at the same time, focused on different areas of my life, because I've just found that to be incredibly helpful. And then I'm not up in my head all the time trying to figure everything out. Mm. Yeah. So valuable. Having different coaches in different areas is awesome. I think it's a great idea. So have you had to think about all the adversity and all the things that you've been through? What is the most valuable lesson adversity has taught you? Hmm. Adversity is a part of life, you know, and I think there was some times in my life where I had so much resistance to adversity. Like it was an inconvenience to experience adversity as soon as I shifted my mindset into looking at it as a blessing, as a teacher, adversity is a master teacher. And when adversity comes, there's something there to learn. And as soon as I changed my mindset and said, okay, I'm in adversity. It might be suffering. It might be pain. It might be whatever it is. What is the lesson for me to learn here today? Everything changed. Everything changed immediately. And The next day, I might have to go right back into it. And oftentimes with chronic pain, that's the case. You wake up, you're in severe pain. You're, you know, I was angry. I was frustrated. I was saying, why? And then I'd say, what is this here to teach me? What am I here to learn? And as soon as that mindset shifted, everything shifted. Mm. It's beautiful. If people want to learn more about you, brother, where can they find you? Where can they check you out? They can go to my website, maven, M-A-V-E-N-O-P.com or Instagram, PJ underscore maven on Instagram. Those are the two best places to find me. I'd love to connect. Awesome, brother. (laughs) We'll be seeing this gentleman on a lot more podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a story. 
And I'm so excited to be able to share this, brother. Thank you so much for everything you do. I'm so so grateful to be able to live in the same house and be able to create and do all the things together, brother. And I'm just so, so grateful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate (laughs) you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. You know the drill. If you got value from this, share this with somebody that needs to hear it. That was so powerful. Check out Paul. I get so used to calling him Paul because I lived with him for six weeks, but he likes to be called PJ. So <laughs> make sure to check out PJ, follow him on Instagram. He's uh, he's doing some great things and I just love the guy and I'm just so blessed to be able to uh, live with him and his family and be part of that for six weeks. And, you know, we'll be going back there at some point. I'm in Miami right now doing my thing, getting some quiet time, quiet time in Miami, right? Yeah, right. But yeah. Sometimes you just got to plug in, do some stuff. And I I got a good situation here. So um, hopefully see PJ and Steph back in uh, Costa Rica at some point. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. That's fire and uh, super, super grateful. Much love, everybody. We'll catch you next time.